You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am Garrett Ashley Mullet, and it is January 6th. 2021. Today has been a day for the history books when Congress met today to certify the results of the 2020 election. If you were not living under a rock, if you had a TV, smartphone, computer, or people with those things anywhere near you, you know that the Stop the Steal slash Save the Country pro-Trump protests in Washington, D.C., turned a very interesting direction as the Capitol building was stormed and police were overrun and a woman was shot and killed in the process. Uh, Interesting details about her have emerged as the day has gone on into the evening that she was actually an Air Force veteran who had served, I believe it was four terms, and I could be mistaken on that, but an Air Force veteran who was very much pro-Trump and who had gotten inside of the congressional chamber, and there are not details yet that have been released to the public in any of the sources that I follow as to why she in particular was shot. We don't know yet, uh, as a general public, what happened that led up to that, why, Uh, She was fired upon, but uh, we do know that she was shot and that she did die. And that is very sad indeed. It is tragic and it is shocking, quite honestly. The images that I'm looking at right now as I'm on the homepage for the Wall Street Journal are of chaos and disruption and upheaval. And to be quite honest with you, judgment. This is what comes of a country which is tearing itself apart because there is no fixed standard anymore. There is no agreed-upon framework for accepting the results of our elections. The rhetoric has gotten increasingly heated because both of the ends of the political spectrum in this country have mutually exclusive competing truth claims. They have opposite views of God and man and reality. And quite honestly, I and many other Trump supporters and Republicans and conservatives believe that the election in 2020 was stolen. It was fraudulent. It was conducted in such a way that it was all too easy to predict that the results would be disputed. And one has to wonder how desperate the Democrats are for power. But not only that, because we've known for quite some time that they were desperate to remove the Republicans from power, how desperate are they to have a pretext for taking revenge on Republicans for having been part of four years of President Trump? trying to undo the Obama legacy. 
How desperate were they to have an excuse for going after their political opponents in a quasi-legitimate legal way? I think that you see in the images from the Capitol of the congressional lobby, congressional halls, the congressional floor being occupied by ostensibly or supposedly Trump-supporting Americans, <clears throat> you see an excuse coming down the pike to go after Republicans and conservatives. You see very quickly developing a rationale for dealing with insurrectionists and putting them down. I watched Biden's address and his speech in the midst of all of this, in which he called for Trump to give his supporters the order to go home and to end this siege, so-called. Now, if you have rioters in Democrat-controlled cities who are for Black Lives Matter and are for defunding the police and are for supposed economic equality and all these things that the left loves... They are not said to be besieging anybody. They're not said to be insurrectionists, even though they are, by the left, they are legitimated. They are called protesters. Rioters are called protesters when they are of the left, but protesters are called rioters by the left if they are conservatives. And the whole reason for this is that once you have delegitimated objections and complaints, and you have maligned your opposition and dehumanized them and called them a basket of deplorables and bitter clingers to their God and their guns and their Bible, once you have dehumanized them thoroughly, then it becomes easy to do whatever you have to, whatever you want to, whatever you need to, to remove them from your path. Now, on the flip side conservative Americans have seen coming for quite some time the dehumanizing language which quickly enough turns into violent action, which quickly enough turns into lawfare, which quickly enough turns into persecution. And we've seen this coming. And ultimately, we look at this election and we see potentially our last chance to keep our country, to keep it a country that can be regained through lawful legal elections. We see a chance slipping away to have the America that we believe was passed down to us by our forefathers, by our ancestors, by the founding fathers. We see the republic slipping away and turning into a socialist people's Republic, which is not quite the same thing as the American experiment in self-government. And it scares us. It terrifies us. It disturbs us. It keeps us up at night. It causes us anxiety. It causes us to feel very much threatened. And meanwhile, the left takes all of those concerns and not only do they dismiss them, but they claim, uh, just like any abusive person would, their abused person, 
their favored victim, they accuse us of deserving the very treatment that they had planned for us all along. They deserve to be ridiculed. They deserve to be condemned. And yet we are the ones who are ridiculed and condemned when we point out that the things that they are advocating are very dangerous, are very bad, are very unwise, are very unprofitable, that these will very much hurt our country for years, decades, generations to come. But not just our country, all of these other countries around the world which have looked to America as a bastion of freedom, as an example, as a shining city on the hill, as Ronald Reagan once said. I look at these images and I don't see a shining city on the hill unless that city is glowing with the flames of strife. I see people angry and desperate and I see other people who have become arrogant in their power and I see other people who are just afraid and in their fear, they may be capable of anything. And that is a dangerous place to be as a country and as a people. There were a lot of conversations at work today, and I'm not an expert on what happened in Washington, D.C. You aren't either. The mainstream media will spin this, and they were spinning it in a certain way. And... That is to be expected. That's par for the course. We don't trust the media. We don't trust our corporate media, our elites who like to tell us what's on the menu. This is for supper. There's no plan B. You get this, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. They cram it down our throats from every possible direction. Their prescription for all of this upset has been to just stow it, accept the results of the 2020 election, and move on. Better luck next time, the Republican establishment says, and the Democrat establishment, meanwhile, immediately celebrates their supposed victory, and it may actually be a victory, whether by hook or by crook, whether by fraud or legitimately, in Georgia, the two Senate seats, which... Media outlets have declared Democrats having won. It was a repeat of November 3rd with the runoff election in Georgia, where we all went to bed last night and the Republicans were in the lead and we woke up this morning and the Democrats had been declared the winners. It is the same song, just another verse. And if indeed it was fraud in the 2020 election on November 3rd, then what in the world would make us think that they were above doing it again here on January 5th? Nothing in my mind lended credibility to that hope. I would have told you up front, but I wanted to talk about other things because I was just discouraged and saddened by the whole thing. I follow politics and I follow the news and I read history quite a bit. And what I see happening 
bothers me not so much just for what is happening. It bothers me for what comes next, typically, when these are the kinds of scenes and images which mark the tone and tenor of the times. This is a house divided against itself. And as Abraham Lincoln quoted Christ, our Savior, a house divided against itself cannot stand. So I did not hope in the Republican establishment, which we voted for Trump in 2016 precisely because we did not trust. I do not hope in Pence or McConnell. I do not hope in the Republican senators or members of the House. I do not put my confidence in those establishment politicians who, just like race hustlers, just like Al Sharpton's and Jesse Jackson's, benefit off of this status quo. If they ever did actually succeed in delivering us from the evil which they advertise themselves as being the solution to, their business model would be broken. It would be over. They would have to find a new business model. And I really don't think that they want to. I think that they benefit from the status quo and they are just as happy as their opponents to see it continue and to see it persist. They would rather shake hands with radical Democrats who have stolen their offices through fraud. They would rather do that than see a wave of accountability sweep over this nation and restore liberty. And yet, on the other hand, what they might just find is that an empowered Democrat trifecta of the legislative body, the executive body, and once they've packed the Supreme Court, also the judicial body of our government, will come for your guns, will come for your religious liberty, will come for your economic liberty, it will come for everything and anything that it thinks it needs in order to bring about utopia. The greater good will be cited. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or you. And so anything and everything, particularly if there is a strong, vocal, energetic, and disruptive minority, or even if there is a majority of Americans who believe that this election was stolen and they're not having it and they're not for it and they're not going to take this lying down, they will come for those people and they will put them down. This could be like the Whiskey Rebellion. This could be like so many conflicts in American history where you had some of the people feeling that these actions being taken were not in accordance with our stated values and principles as a country, and that won't necessarily be resolved anytime soon. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And in that sense, the establishment members of the Republican Party have the right of it, and they understand this is not going to be over quickly. There is no quick fix. There is no silver bullet. And yet, 
because of their lackadaisical approach to these things, because of their lack of vigilance and their lack of energy, their lack of sobriety, there is the need for, there is the desire for, there is the appetite for silver bullets. And we see right now images of guns drawn within the Capitol building. I think that the guns were drawn because protesters, and whether they were Trump supporters to a man, or whether some of them are actually Antifa posing and dressed up as Trump supporters coming in to do mayhem and to appear as though they were Trump supporters as a way of discrediting the entire protest, discrediting the president. Whether it is one thing or the other, whether it's here nor there, the fact remains that the left is for things which are objectively false, they are objectively evil, they are objectively corrupt, they are objectively foolish, and so there will be a kind of judgment which falls on our country as those things are pursued. Part of the judgment will be that those who decided to get involved and engaged too little too late will find that the time is over for that. When you think about the episode I recorded the other day, it was episode 66, and you can go back to it and listen. It was called 10 and 2 on 11 Senators Objecting. I published it January 2nd, 2021. And I talked about and read from the account of the 12 spies that were sent by Moses into the promised land to scout it out. God had promised the land. That's why it was referred to and is referred to as the promised land. God had promised that land. And God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were not in the promised land yet, but they were on their way. And they decided that they were going to listen to the 10 spies who said, we cannot take this land. The people who dwell in it are as giants and we are but grasshoppers in their eyes. And so having that mindset and talking amongst themselves as an assembly of Israel, they said, let's choose, let's elect new leaders. And I think what so many conservatives, so many Trump supporters, so many Republicans who are part of these protests across the country right now, which are showing up at state capitals in 17 states, from what I'm seeing, 17 states, probably not all uh, Democrat-controlled, but possibly, I don't know, I haven't seen the list yet. What these people who are objecting so strenuously to the theft of our nation are thinking to themselves is that there is just no way that our country could be so foolish. There is no way that our country could be so self-destructive as to choose Biden over Trump, to choose Harris over Pence, to choose the Democrat platform over the Republican platform. How could so many Americans choose lockdowns and the destruction of our economy and the ascendancy of China? How could so many Americans choose slavery over freedom? And yet, as a Christian, I look in the Old Testament 
And I see exactly that kind of dynamic play out in the case of the children of Israel being brought up out of Egypt into the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see that exact same dynamic playing out when they're faced with the opportunity to fight and to possess what God has given to them as an inheritance, or, as they say, to elect new leaders and go back to slavery, go back to Egypt. Perhaps the Egyptians will take us in. Perhaps it's not too late. They're afraid, and they don't trust in God. They're afraid, and they don't want to work for it. They don't want to fight for it. And as such, they get 40 years of wandering in the desert. So whether it's four or it's 40, we might just be about to wander in the desert for 40 years. And that grieves me, and it saddens me, and it pains me because this is the country I live in. This is the country my wife lives in. This is the country my children live in. Maybe at a certain point we start thinking about whether there are other countries to move to. Our ancestors, our forefathers moved here at some point because where they were from, where they had been from for hundreds of years, was not working out so well. And maybe at a certain point we start wondering whether it wouldn't be a good idea to move somewhere else. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. What I predict is that Biden and Harris and the Democrats and the establishment Republicans will work together to restore whatever Biden and Harris say, whatever Pelosi and Schumer say, is law and order. And because these conservatives don't know what it is that they're conserving, they will go along with and be complicit with and they will become unified with the left to shout down, to fight against opposition, which might make a difference. Because they don't want to join the opposition. They would rather fight against the opposition to our country being stolen. And in that respect, where they have forgotten what it is that they were conserving, they are lost. And we also with them. And yet, we are not lost in the sense that our trust is not in princes. We don't put our hope in a man because men are finite. We don't fear men who can kill the body and then have no more that they can do to us. And we don't particularly trust men. And that is part of what it means to be a conservative. I find it interesting watching a little bit of Newsmax because it was on the TV at the gas plant today where I was working, I found it interesting to hear Sean Spicer on his program denouncing in the strongest possible terms these Trump supporters who were storming the Capitol. And he said that this is what BLM and Antifa did, and we denounced it when they did it, and we have to denounce it when Republicans do it, this is not okay. And yet, the confusing mixed messaging here is that the left in the mainstream media, the left in office, did not denounce 
when BLM and Antifa did these things. In fact, they called all of these same kinds of things protests when BLM and Antifa did these things. And so conservatives and Trump supporters who spent the past year, past years, watching these kinds of scenes play out across the country, watching their cities burn, fearing that their country would be overrun, thought to themselves, I think in some respect, we'll fight fire with fire. And I think others of these conservatives and Republicans who joined in the protests and maybe even stormed the Capitol building thought to themselves, this is protest. They told us this is what was a protest. Ah, yes, you're assuming that the left plays by the rules that it imposes on you. You shouldn't assume that. They don't. They're hypocrites. This is just another aspect of their corruption, that they don't play by the rules that they impose on you. The rules are selectively enforced and administered for political expedience. Not because they adhere to an objective moral standard. That's also why they don't enforce them evenly and equally. Because they don't expect to have to adhere to or be accountable to an objective universal standard. They don't fear God. The left has grandiose delusions of grandeur. And they think that they can become like gods, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> they think that they are very wise. And in thinking themselves wise, they become fools. Their foolish hearts are darkened. They don't fear God. And yet, as Christians, if we are conserving our tradition of adhering to the scriptures, and if we're trying to conserve a testimony which was given to us faithfully, protected, delivered to us by God himself. If we are trying to conserve that, then we do fear God, and we do obey God, and we do trust God, and we don't react in a panicked way, doing desperate things as if we can save ourselves. We can't even save ourselves. How are we going to save the country? Now, what am I not saying? I'm not saying that we should not try to take care of this country. We should. And quite frankly, I disagree with Vice President Pence's decision to certify these election results as if he is beholden to just sign on the dotted line with whatever is put in front of him. He may think that that is the honorable thing to do and that he has to in order to have a clear conscience. But I do not think that that was the correct course of action. I think he should have sent these electoral college votes back to the state legislatures where there were contingency procedural votes from dueling sets of electors. He should have sent both sets back to those respective states, put the question to those legislative bodies in the states because of the concerns about election fraud. Republicans that wanted to object and yet do nothing here 
want to have their cake and eat it too. And yet, what they do thereby is they make themselves complicit. To say, ah, yes, there is fraud being perpetrated. I agree with you, but we're going to certify it anyway. That is perpetuating the fraud, I'm afraid. And so it is. And so it may well be. And so we may find that this year starts off with bang, bang. Not just a bang, but bang, bang, bang. Twitter and Facebook have locked President Trump's accounts, which is odd and funny because Trump took to his social media to tell protesters to be peaceful, to go home. And it was as though on the front end before all of the events of today, the mainstream media wanted exactly this sort of thing to happen. It's as though the police let the protesters into the building. It's as though Antifa dressed up as Trump supporters and stormed the building. It's as though the establishment wanted to say, look, what's that over there? And now they are together certifying the Electoral College votes. And what sort of presidency are we about to watch unfold? God only knows. I think of the story of Jacob and Esau. And in the story of Jacob and Esau, you have the older brother having every right to the blessing of his father, to the inheritance, and yet Jacob tricks Esau out of both his birthright and the blessing. And God upholds that because Esau was a corrupt man. It doesn't mean that what Jacob did was ethical. It doesn't mean that it was good. It doesn't mean that it was right doesn't mean that it was fair, but for being unfair, unethical, corrupt, dishonest, it nevertheless was the decision that stuck. All warfare is deception. And I'm sure that the Democrats will operate in the same spirit that was articulated by Stephen Colbert when he pointed out that if Republicans and conservatives who were crying fraud, crying foul about the 2020 election, if they were correct, that this was a massive conspiracy to steal the 2020 election, doesn't that just demonstrate sophistication, intelligence, coordination, brilliance even? Isn't that the kind of person you would want to have be the president of the United States of America? There's just one problem with that. Half the country, or more, is going to have a real hard time respecting, trusting, admiring, working with a president who comes into office under the auspices that Biden might just be about to. Twitter and Facebook locking Trump's counts. If that's where we're at, if that's where... All of us have actually placed our loyalties and our trust to where we stay there and we're not willing to get off because we're addicted to it. Then 
That's what is called a bandwagon. The Assembly of Israel votes with the ten spies who say, let's appoint new leaders and go back to Egypt. And they wander. That whole generation wanders in the desert until they've died to a man, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. We'll see. If it is 40 years that we wander in the desert as a country, I think that we will find at the end of 40 years that China has taken over the world, or we'll see a World War III scenario. Who knows? I can make predictions. I can anticipate with the best of them until reality happens. I'm not Nostradamus. I read history, and I record these podcast episodes here lately at the end of the day because I can tell you what happened today, but I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. All we should pray is that we can be found faithful, that we can do what we ought to, we can be good stewards, that we can honor God in the way that we conduct ourselves. We can be bold and courageous. Be very bold and courageous. Have I not commanded you? He has. That's the spirit that God has given to us. We don't shrink back. We're not timid. We're bold and direct. Love your wife, love your husband, love your kids, do good to your neighbors, love your enemies even. Don't repay evil for evil. Be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Pray and ask God for wisdom. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Fear God. Conduct yourself honestly. Provide things honestly in the sight of all men. Have a good testimony. Be sober and vigilant for your adversary. The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Be praying for me and my family. I will be praying for you and yours. Thank you for listening to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Until tomorrow, God bless. You've been listening to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com.